The opinions expressed on this podcast are not necessarily those of the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District or its employees. For more information about the Sewer District and its projects and programs, visit neorsd.org. The Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District presents Clean Waterworks, a podcast that explores water, sewer, and stormwater issues that affect you and your community. Learn about the people, projects, and programs that are protecting your health and the environment here in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. Well, let's get started. Then, let's yeah, do it. Shall we? Yeah. Test, test. Is it working? Did you ever think you were going to be doing a podcast? No. As someone who has very limited social media, I, I was not thinking that I would do a podcast. However, I do listen to podcasts. This is Clean Waterworks, a podcast about water, sewers, and streams. And the people who keep the sewer district running. My name is Mike Uva. I work in the Communications and Community Relations Department at the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm Donna Friedman, and I work in our watersheds department, mostly on stormwater projects. You may know the sewer district from our wastewater treatment facilities. Maybe you think of us every time you flush your toilet. You may also know us from our very popular Twitter account, at N-E-O-R-S-D, currently at 34,000 followers. Wow. This podcast is a continuation of educational work the sewer district has done over the last decade with its Clean Waterworks magazine and many, many videos that we've shared on YouTube and on Cleveland's TV20. Clean Waterworks is an opportunity to go in-depth into many different aspects of the sewer district's work. We're going to have a conversational program with our wonderful employees, Mm -hmm. learn all about them and about all the good work that they do here. There's more to the sewer district than you might realize. It's true. We're not just poop jokes. 80% poop jokes. We'll be talking about many different aspects of the sewer district's work, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from maintaining and repairing 100-year-old sewer pipes to monitoring the stability of stream banks and the water quality at our beaches. And we have a very talented laboratory staff as well. We'll also talk with folks from our partner agencies throughout the region, exploring how the sewer district's work ties into other initiatives to keep our Great Lake great and our local waterways clean. If you're interested in a particular topic, feel free to reach out to us on the Twitter at NEORSD or visit our website at NEORSD.org. Today we're going to be talking to Frank Shushu. Frank Tank. Frank's going to be talking about his work monitoring local industry to make sure that nothing too terrible is going down the drains. All right, let's get to it. That's going to be my thing. Let's get to it. <laughs> Frank Shushu, welcome. Hi, hello. Frank, you are one of the longest serving employees at the district, right? I think right? so. Me and Bob Bonnet. Yeah. 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 How long have you been working here? 46 years. Since 76. 46 years. Yeah. yeah. Are you a native of Cleveland? Yeah. So I'll Cuyahoga Heights. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up uh, right up the street from Southerly Wastewater Treatment Plant. Okay. So you can say that, uh, you know, wastewater runs in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Are you and Bob having a competition to see who will last longest? I don't think so. I, 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 you know, in, in a lot of ways, I'm ready to go any day. And in other ways, I think I'd really miss the uh, companionship. Yeah. I, that's the one thing that worries me about uh, retirement 
Yeah. So, yeah. Loss of free or loss of, uh, you know, uh, just interaction with people, you know. Definitely. So I think if I do retire, uh, maybe I'll, I'll look for a custodian job in schools or uh, maybe even volunteer at Southwest Hospital, something like that, just to be out and meet people. Because I just love it, you know. Yeah. yeah. So right. why don't you, um, I don't think you guys did this yet, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your current position? Well, I'm, uh, I'm an, uh, they changed my, uh, my title. I'm an industrial compliance specialist. I used to be an investigator, and uh, I think I'll always at heart be an investigator. Uh, but, yeah, I'm a compliance specialist. And so I, I go out in the field every day and uh, visit industry. I, I uh, interview the company contacts. I uh, inspect the facilities to see about possible pollution problems within the facility and, uh, you know, kind of try to help the companies uh, stay in compliance. And then uh, we monitor, uh, we take samples of their effluent to make sure that they're in compliance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is to make sure, this this part of the district's work is to make sure that industry, companies, whatever they're manufacturing, uh, whatever they're putting down the drain isn't negatively impacting uh, right. the waste stream. Right, so that it doesn't um, endanger the health of sewer workers or the public, the general public, um, endanger the treatment at the wastewater treatment plants, um, and then also you know, doesn't violate federal law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. One of the things we're talking a lot about this year with the 50th anniversary of the sewer district is just the progress that we've made over the last five decades in terms of what's allowed to go into the waste stream, mm -hmm. uh, you know, comparing the regulations in place today and the, and the um, measures in place now compared to when you got your start back mm -hmm. in the 70s, things were a lot different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you want to talk a little bit about how you came to the district and what it was like back then when you joined? Well, I came right out of high school, and I, I needed a needed a job. I needed a summer job, so I started working at Southerly, and uh, they handed me a, a, a shovel and a, a wheelbarrow, and they showed me the basement of the filter floor where sludge was so wet at the time. It was run so poorly, that, that and the equipment was so uh, antiquated that the sludge would run off the belt onto the floor and my job was to oh, shovel it no. up and put it back on the belt oh, and uh, so you know uh it's kind of <laughs> contemplating maybe i made the wrong decision i should have found a way to get to college or something but uh, but um i showed initiative uh and um i was always willing to learn and take on new projects and before i knew it they they had me uh, running a jackhammer uh running a bobcat um, I had to go down in an acid tank, uh, before I knew anything about hazardous waste oh or, goodness. you know, chemical exposure to, uh, there was a wooden lid on the acid tank that had fallen in. <laughs> and so they emptied the tank, but they didn't clean it out. And I had to go in there and tie rope to it and they pulled it out. Um, and then there was an operator position, uh, that opened up. Um, it was open and they needed it filled right away. So I did that for about a month. Uh, at, you know, working swing shift and, and uh, so, and, you know, I'm just a kid out of high school. And uh, summer help ended and uh, I, I made it uh, known that I wanted to stay on. Uh, I had gotten interested in what we were doing. And uh, so there was a mail clerk that broke his leg. 
So did you break his leg, Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may have paid somebody. Pushed him in the ass. I think. <laughs> in those days, that, that's the kind of thing that happened. Yeah, but no, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I filled in for him, and when he came back, uh, they liked the work that I was doing because I I was running a small stock room and kind of the downtown office at that time, and I was fixing office furniture and. Uh, repairing office machines and you know every little thing that came up I'll do it and uh, so they liked me so they kept me in and Lou Yarborough so we were uh, both uh, mail clerks for a while and did that job for about a year and then uh, I was looking for other things I wanted to you know do more and um, that's when uh, I got uh, hired into the industrial waste section it was called at the time and it was an investigator job so i thought "Ooh, that's cool that's james <laughs> bond stuff so you know, that's, that's what like, i saw when yeah. i applied for the investigator job too i was like i could do that yeah yeah, yeah. That so that cool. was a new um division of the district when you were started sort of yeah it, it had been going been going for a few years why was that created um, to enforce the uh, local limits uh, the, the the local regulations the sewer use code um, to, uh, you know, try and rein industry in because uh, at, the, at that time, um, acids, caustics, cyanide, metals, heavy metals, uh, all kinds of solvents and oils were all being discharged and it was all running to our treatment plants. And our plants are having a hard time, you know, uh, uh, treating the wastewater. So, so these were the um, byproducts of the manufacturing processes and they were just yes. sending them into the sending them down to the drain essentially. Yeah, nobody right? was telling them not to. Right. So that's what they were doing. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you know, I, I must say that, you know, part of the job that I'm doing now is to bring industry along as partners in pollution prevention. Um a lot of things that I've seen happen over the years was the change from a lot of electroplating to more phosphating. Phosphating operations, they can discharge everything they have and be in compliance a lot of times. So, you know, there's a lot. The, the uh, technology and coatings has changed much over the years, and it's been that, that change has been pushed by environmental regulations. So... Although it's it's been better for the consumer, for the for the industry, um, because they had the operations to do things in a certain way, they weren't anxious to change. Sure. And, uh, but once they saw the writing on the wall that that they weren't going to be able to operate as they had in the past, then you know it pushed the technology to change. So there's a lot of you know products out there that are being used now that are you know, just less polluting and, and methods too, you know. Um. Those early days when you were starting with IWS and you would go up to a, a factory, you would just show up unannounced or? Yes. Yeah. We, we do unannounced inspections. We still do that. Um, it, you know, it's kind of mandated by the EPA and by our pretreatment program. Um, but you know, that way you, you show up um, they don't really have too much of a chance to, uh, to change things. So you can see things how they really are. Um, so, yeah, we would uh, go to an industry, knock on the door, announce ourselves as, you know, uh, industrial investigators, um, and tell them that we wanted to see 
what kind of processes they do because different regulations apply to different processes, um, where they use water, uh, where they, what chemicals they use, what chemicals they store. Uh, and uh, so, you know, then we'd ask for a tour. Uh, sometimes we'd have uh, people, you know, refuse us. And um, we, we would have our legal department, um, you know, intervene and uh, call our supervisor and they'd call the legal department. And uh, there's been times where we've had to uh, um, uh, tell people that they couldn't discharge the sewer system anymore because they wouldn't allow us access. Or um, install a manhole outside their building on their lateral so that we could monitor them without entering mm -hmm. um, at their expense. So it, it, most companies realized that it was going to be more expensive uh, to resist us than to allow us in and do our inspection. Yeah. So, so what do you look for on a tour of a, uh, a plant, and what kind of methods do you use to determine what they're putting down the drain? Yeah. Well, you know, in, in the initial inspection, we're looking for processes that use water. Um, Usually if you hear running water and you follow it and you find a drain, that's where they're discharging. And so uh, um, we, try, we, we take samples, we do flow measurement uh, to uh, determine how much they're discharging and, and what the, the uh, concentration is. And then um, we also look at chemical storage, that kind of stuff, make sure that there's uh, containment and uh, that, that materials are being handled in a in a safe manner and in a environmentally conscious manner yeah. um so yeah we use uh isco automatic samplers uh, we can install those and um they'll take a sample whatever time in increment we we set them up but usually we have a um we can set them to take uh, 24 samples in a 24-hour period and we can take four samples per bottle or so a sample every 15 minutes and uh that's kind of useful because you can tell at what time something occurred. And there's times, too, where uh, we've set those outside of companies in, in the main sewer um, to determine if somebody's dumping something when they don't think we're there. Uh, and we've been able to, uh, you know, find out that Every Saturday at this time, they're discharging something. You can and really then, pinpoint exactly right, when it's right, happening. Yeah, right. And then that that way we can we can we can give that data to the criminal investigation division of the EPA. They can get search warrants, and then they can enforce criminal um, law. You know uh, what we what we enforce is civil law. So um, we've been able to do that in a, in a few situations where um, they've really been affecting our plant. Um, our process analyst uh, one time found that this uh, that our westerly plant was uh, getting hit with zinc every Saturday. So um, I happened to be at a plater um, that said a zinc plating company that that said that uh, they um, they worked on the Saturdays cleaning up their pretreatment system so that when they when they started production on Monday, everything would be ready. So it's like, hmm, okay. So as I was leaving that facility, I put a sampler in there in a manhole that they they had had previous trouble, and we had them put a manhole on on outside their facility. So uh, we put a sampler in that manhole, and um, 
seven Saturdays in a row, they were discharging acid and high amount of sludge and zinc. Uh, so uh, we were able to, you know, actually go into that facility. They were charged a significant amount um, uh, by the sewer district mm -hmm. uh, as, you know, compensation for what they had done. And then uh, also uh, the, uh, they, they faced criminal charges too the people that were actually discharging stuff so and westerly is one of our smaller plants right and so, and so things, it notices things mm -hmm. quicker than the other plants now right yeah people could be doing the same thing at southerly at times and we'd never notice it um, just because they're taking in so much water right mm -hmm. right because the, the concentration is so much lower yeah yeah and you were familiar with the effects of uh chemicals in the waterways just growing up in that area right right yeah yeah I, I grew up playing down in what they call the hidden valley now that's now a uh, metro parks but uh, when i was a kid it was uh, owned by u.s steel owned the canal and uh so we played in the and nobody cared if we went down there cut trees down <laughs> made fires build forts mm -hmm. uh, rafts and uh, my brother uh, was a big hunter and uh, he trapped muskrat down there and and uh, we fished sometimes. Never ate the fish, um, <laughs> but we stayed away from the river. My, my father, uh, you know, told me, you know, don't go near the river. It was kind of a no-go zone for us. And and you know, it smelled, and uh, you know, it, it just appeared dead. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Now I ride my bike to work, and I come up the towpath trail uh, to work every morning, and and it is just fantastically beautiful down there. The the bird noise is just. It would just blow you away. All the different bird calls and stuff, and herons, and green herons, and uh, it's just, it's fantastic what they've done. So um, I actually met Frank when we were both investigators for a little while. I was in what they used to call an environmental investigator, so I was in the stream sampling um, the stream water and, you know, uh, doing some electrofishing, things like that. Because you are an outdoor nature guy, did you ever want to be an environmental investigator or did you always like the industrial side? Early on, uh, my um, original manager, uh, Jim Weber, you know, tried to encourage me to go to college and get a degree and, and do all kinds of stuff. And um, I, I started you know, going to Tri-C with the idea of a two-plus-two program within, you know, like civil engineering, something oh, like okay. that. It really wasn't that much um, uh, much going on with biology at that time. Right. You know, this was uh, probably late 70s, early 80s. Um, but things happened in my life and, and uh, that required more attention. And so, you know, I kind of gave up on the college for a while. And I never really liked sitting in a classroom. Um, you don't seem really I, I, like a classroom guy. And I had a really good industrial arts program at Cuyahoga Heights uh, High School. And so I had a really good industrial arts background. And I understood industry uh, coming into the job. I, I worked for four years uh, training to be a pattern maker to make, uh, make molds for the casting industry. Uh -huh. So I knew safety. I knew industrial processes and things like that so 
you know, it was kind of natural for me to stay where I was in, 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 in the in the industrial section. Yeah, yeah. And, and I liked it. Um, <laughs> and the other nice thing went, so when a, a new investigator starts, at least when I was in um, in that group, they would start you off with Frank because Frank knows what's up. And so you would start and, you know, your first two weeks or so you'd be in, in, in industrial and you would be Frank's partner and Frank would show you how to, how to set up a sampler and how to clean the sampler bottles and all the things that go into it. So um, Frank's basically part of the training program <laughs> in WQIS, which is really cool. Yeah, and I enjoy that too because, you know, the, the number of fantastic people. I've had 40 partners now. Wow. And uh, just, I, I have truly benefited from every one of them. Just beautiful people. Um, I've learned so much. You know, they think they're learning from me. No, <laughs> I'm learning from them. And not just about the job. I mean, just, you know, about all kinds of things. Philosophy, religion. You know, it all gets discussed because you're trapped in a truck. <laughs> with somebody for a year in all kinds of weather and you know you, you go through a lot of stress um you know opening manholes in the middle of the street with traffic zooming by mm-hmm. you know hot days where you're just sweating you know and, and cold days where you're freezing your hands are shaking you can't hold anything and uh you know I, you you end up um sharing so much with people about your you know personal life too and uh you really get close to people Mm -hmm. you know it's yeah One of the projects that your supervisor had you do was pick a creek. Pick a creek. Yeah, yeah. You want pick to talk a, a little bit about that. It was pronounced pick crick. A yeah, pick, yeah. A, pick a crick. Yeah, I mean, the guys that were we were working with, none of us had college educations or anything like that, and so it was, you know, it was very rough. You know, it was pick a crick, and uh, I got Dugway, Doan, and Shaw Brook, which probably were three of the most polluted streams. Yeah, I was streams. just about to say it. If you had yeah. to pick three, and <laughs> the, the idea was just walk the stream. And, uh, you know, point out the pollution problems. And you didn't need to take a bacteria sample, a bacteria sample. You didn't need to, uh, you know, um, uh, didn't need any meters or anything like that. I mean, it was just obvious, you know. There was gray water with fecal matter and uh, toilet paper, you know, running into the streams. And so one creek uh, was uh, uh, Dugway Brook. And if you know Dugway Brook, probably 90% of it is culverted. Mm -hmm. So in order to walk it, we had to walk from manhole to manhole underground. And uh, at one point where it passes under St. Clair, it's a 12-foot culvert. And then uh, hanging on the inside of the 12-foot culvert are two sanitary sewer lines, 18-inch on both sides. And... uh, when we were walking it, and this is like 1985 or 83, I think, maybe, I don't know. But one of them was completely broken off, and it, and it was running almost full, sanitary sewage. And St. Clair Avenue isn't that far from the lake, and this right. was running right through Brattanaw oh, out to gosh. the lake. White City Beach, um, all those nice homes along uh, Lakeshore Boulevard and everything, they, the sewage was running right by them. Yeah, and it was just running right to the lake. Wow. Yeah, it was terrible. 
Yeah, and that's yeah. the kind of kind of work now that our stormwater inspection and maintenance group, um, which is in the life of the sewer district, a very new group, even though it's probably what eight years old now, mm-hmm. probably about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they they now do culvert walks and um, try to inspect the streams to make sure that there aren't loads of pollution coming in at different points and mm-hmm. make sure that the stream conveyance is um, the streams flowing well and, and things like that. So um, it's interesting to see how things develop. I'm sure, especially since you've worked here for 46 years, it's probably very crazy seeing the difference between when you first started to how things are now. Yeah. yeah. A lot more employees. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How big is, is your group? Uh, I think we're about 25 people. Um, and uh, there's a whole new batch of people there. I mean, you probably wouldn't yeah. recognize half the people there it's anymore. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good. You know, it, it brings in new, new views and and new information and uh, new skills. So, yeah. how many companies are you responsible for monitoring? Well, it's about 200 um, significant industrial users. Um, so there's there's four investigators. So we all get about 50 for the year. 40 or 50. We do about four investigations uh, a week. Um, we sample for three days, um, actually two composite samples. Uh, some of the companies are considered uh, surcharge companies where they, they are charged extra for the strength of the wastewater that they discharge um, based on biological oxygen demand, chemical oxygen demand, or... Uh, total suspended solids and then um, so they they pay a little bit extra on their sewer bill based on the treatability of their wastewater um, so those companies we sample for three for four days um, and then that goes into a five-year average so um, you know to to give them a, a proper bill um, usually there's an experienced investigator and a lesser experienced investigator working together and um, so um, you kind of share the workload uh, I try to make sure that the the less experienced investigator gets not only easy companies also some of the tougher ones and then I try and support them as they they work through them because that's the only way they're going to learn so in addition to the sampling machine that you described the 24-hour mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? A Tesco? Uh, Isco. 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 Isco is the brand name, oh, okay. and it's kind of like our beloved brand name. Uh, <laughs> it's really the the sampler that we've come to uh, to love. Sampler of choice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or when I visited with Wolfram um, at one of the pl- one of the uh, facilities, he was visiting. He was also doing something, and I think you mentioned it called dye testing. Correct. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that and any and some other tricks of the trade? Well, I have a little saying: uh, "Die, don't lie," <laughs> and um, you know, it's pretty important to determine that where a company says they're discharging is actually going where they think it's where you think it's supposed to go and where they think it's supposed to go. Uh, I don't take a company's word for anything. Um, also engineering drawings, I don't really trust them. Um, when you, when you die test, there's no, there's no doubt, um, you know, where, uh, a wastewater is going. Usually when we die test, we'll be, we'll be inserting it into, uh, the dye into, uh, a pretreatment effluent or a drain inside a company. 
Uh, you need to run a lot of water with it. The more water, the better. Uh, it makes it go quicker. Uh, if, you're, if you're not running a lot of water, you could be standing there for four hours waiting for the dye. Um, so, yeah, we, we run a lot of water. We, we put the dye into a drain, and uh, we stand out in a manhole. Um, and usually, uh, you know, if we're doing a dye test, we're uncertain about where something's going. Um, usually we'll have a couple people outside, one at a manhole on a sanitary sewer, maybe one at a stream or at a manhole on a storm sewer. And uh, so that you don't miss it. You know, that's the worst thing is you dump the dye and then, you know, you don't, you don't know if it went by already or, you know, if, if it just hasn't, hadn't come yet. So you're sitting there all day waiting for the dye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I like to do is, is have people stationed uh, at the probable uh, points where it's going to pass by before I even discharge it and put the dye in. And that way you're sure that you don't miss it as long as the people are paying attention <laughs> and looking for the dye. Yeah. So my current role, I have uh, communities that I'm responsible for working with. And um, the relationships that I have with those people in the communities is very important in order for us to get work done and for them to get work done. Um, because we are we are a regulating agency for some of these companies, what is your relationship like with some of the people that run those companies? I'm sure you've known some of them for a very long time or known the folks well, that you've yeah, known Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's companies where uh, we've charged them $60,000 in fines, and I still walk into that company, and I'm, you know, it's not unfriendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Um. They, I think, uh, you know, over the years, the, the, I've proven myself to be honest uh, and helpful to the companies, so, and I try to do that. Uh, let them know that I'm a human being and that I'm doing a job. Uh, I'm not um, some crazy environmentalist that, you know, wants to put industry out of business. And one of the things that I tell people is uh, – have a good year, you know, after I'm done sampling <laughs> for the year, have a good year, make some money, you know, because you, that's one of the things that uh, I think uh, uh, environmental groups sometimes forget is that industry is there to, you know, make a profit. Uh, and if they're not going to make a profit, they're not going to be there. And that's going to take jobs away from the community. It's going to take, you know, we're looking at supply issues now uh, because we have to rely on other countries to get, get uh, products. Um, you know, we want manufacturing in, in the city of Cleveland. We want manufacturing in the country. And uh, so, you know, I, I try to tailor my investigations to uh, a, a way of pollution prevention. And let's find a way for you to come into compliance and into true compliance, don't make me put you out of business. Right. Don't make me the bad guy. I'm right. trying to help you out. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Jim Weber, original manager, told me one time, I'm going to work myself out of a job because <laughs> I, was, I was going after companies like crazy in the beginning. But, uh, you know, and I still, I still, if I see that somebody's lying to me, if I see that um, something is occurring that's, that's endangering our treatment plants, endangering our... Uh, you know our, our uh, workers in our in our uh, sewer, um, our sewer workers and, and our collection systems. Yeah, I'm a I'm a rabid dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, 
you know, if people are honest with me, I'm going to be honest with them, and and I'll go into the company's office and and say, yeah, I'm here to do the inspection and the sampling, and the guy will say, go ahead, do whatever you got to do, and I go ahead and install the sampler and do my inspection and talk to their employees, and they trust me completely, you know. Yeah. yeah. So those are the good relationships. So there, there's some that are still strained, um, but mainly it's because of the actions of the company. Uh, right. I I would like to believe. Yeah. 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 Well, the rules seem clear, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're following the rules, right. then things should be okay. Right. Yeah. So having been at the district for so long, are things moving in the right direction, at least in terms of uh, your field? You know, um, production methods and uh, chemical use in, in industry has changed quite a bit. Um, you know, and... and there's a lot of facilities that we go to year in, year in and year out that are always in compliance. We never have an issue. And, you know, we, we sample them and we sample them and we sample them. And it's, you know, you wonder why, because they're always in compliance. Um, certain, are they using different chemicals? Or? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Certain chemicals, certain different uh, processes and, and things like that. Uh, you know, as we learn more and as we're able to measure smaller amounts and, and things like PFAS and uh, um, um, pharmaceuticals that are going through our treatment plant into the, into the receiving waters and then are ending up in our cleaning, clean water, our, our drinking water, and, uh, you know, we, we aren't even testing for them. Um, you know, I think, I think that those are the kind of things that we've got to look for the future and look for ways to, to regulate and prohibit those things from getting getting in because to treat for those things is pretty much impossible and i'm sure that the ratepayer is not going to want to pay for mm-hmm. the cost of treatment you know i mean we can't put out distilled water right. um you know it's just too expensive pharmaceuticals are going into the wastewater treatment plants and they're not being removed because right. we don't have the processes in place to take those out and they're going right back out into the the, the processes would just be way too expensive mm-hmm. or, or impossible mm-hmm. you know and a lot of these pharmaceuticals pass right through our body our body basically you know when we're taking a you know a, a, a prescription drug i mean our body's not using all of that drug a lot of it is passing through us and into the wastewater so um you know uh, there's really no way to stop it and there's, you know, coming in, and then there's, there's really no way to, to clean it, you know, that's economically feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the tough the tough one for the future, especially when we, we start learning about things like PFAS and, and, you know, that it's in all our bloodstream and that it's everywhere. What is that, PFAS? And it's uh, polyfluoroalkali substances. Uh, it's in Teflon. Um, it's in firefighting phones. It's in Gore-Tex, uh, a lot of fabrics and things like that. So yeah. a lot of like stain, stain fighter fabrics that you have on your couches and things like that. It's there. They use it know? to make like nonstick pans, even some like mascaras and lip glosses. It's in a yeah. lot of stuff. I heard a guy talk about plastics, and this guy was a uh, a soldier in the Iraq Iraqi war. And he said, walking across the Iraq desert, he saw a Walmart bag blow by. Oh, gosh. You know, and uh, he said every camel skeleton that they found, they found 
balls of bags in the, in the stomach. The, they, the camels are eating it and then dying because it filled up their stomach and they couldn't, you know. Oh, my goodness, uh, yeah. So he started studying it, and, you know, they talk about the rafts of plastic in the oceans and things like that. And he said, that's not the big problem. He said, it's microplastics mm-hmm. because these bags shred, and they become so... Um, so fine that we're breathing them in, you know, we're, we're drinking it in. We don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is, it's everywhere. He said that, you know, when, when the, uh, when the archeological, uh, people dig up our age, it'll be known as the age of plastic because it's everywhere, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, and you say, Oh, okay, well it's recycle plastic and nobody wants it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's right, just, yeah, right. it's just, it's not very, uh, very recyclable. Yeah. 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 Well, we do what we can, and you've certainly right. done what you can for the last, uh, did you say 42 years you've been here? 46. 46 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. I just hope that um, I leave the world as a better place. In my younger years, I did a lot of damage, and um, I hope that you know, my life pays back some of that. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> kind of corny, but it's the way I feel. Yeah. I think it already has, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've you've influenced my career. You've influenced a lot of people you've worked with. Like you said, forty partners yeah. that you've worked yeah. with, which is just crazy. Especially understanding what goes into that kind of a partnership, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And the district's definitely better off. Thank you for you being here. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone's life, you have periods where you're contributing more than you're taking away, and maybe vice versa. Yeah, right, yeah, right. That's true. You know, so, yep. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you so much, Frank. Yeah. Did you know eligible customers can save up to 40% on their sewer charges? Learn more about the Sewer District's cost-saving programs and use our discount calculator at neorsd.org save or call 216-881-8247. That's neorsd.org save or 216-881-8247. Clean Waterworks is produced by the Communications and Community Relations Department at the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. Our music was composed and performed by G.S. Shrey. If you have a question or suggestion, or if you'd like to learn more about the Regional Sewer District, visit neorsd.org or call 216-881-8247.